I remember my girlfriends being like, oh, Brad Pitt is so fine. And I was like, I don't even feel a thing when I look at him. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, what is this thing that you're feeling? So I'm like right there with you because, yeah, I am like, I didn't know what a libido was until I came off the pill. And it really, it took like, it, it, took, it took a minute there to get that back. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and we are exploring an important topic for millions of women today, a topic that I can personally relate to, and that is post-birth control syndrome and what doctors don't say about the pill. With my dear friend and fellow hormone expert, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Now, I am excited that we are diving into this topic today because it's an area of women's health that is often ignored, even though it affects so many women in their 20s and beyond. I myself struggle with birth control from the moment I started taking it. My symptoms became so debilitating that I had to stop taking the pill altogether. And the post-birth control backlash was extremely scary. I did not get my period back for almost six months. I experienced terrible mood swings, breakouts, low libido, and my migraines, which were pretty bad at the time, increased in frequency. There were moments when I thought it would never end, and I really didn't understand what was happening to my body. It felt like it was literally under siege. So that's why I am so grateful to Dr. Brighton for shedding the light on this subject and supporting women with a powerful game plan. I wish I knew her back then and in the midst of my crazy birth control chaos. Now, before I bring Dr. Brighton on, I want to quickly introduce her to you. Dr. Jolene Brighton is a functional medicine naturopathic doctor and the founder of Rubis Health, a root cause women's medicine clinic where she specializes in the treatment of hormone disorders, including adrenal and thyroid conditions and autoimmune disease. She is the leading expert in post-birth control syndrome and the side effects and long-term consequences associated with the use of birth control. In her patient-centered clinic, Dr. Brighton thrives on navigating the space between conventional and alternative medicine, all the while working with patients to help them achieve optimal balance, health, and happiness. She is a best-selling author, speaker, certified yoga instructor, daily meditator, urban homesteader, and a mother of a beautiful, beautiful boy. Welcome, Dr. Brighton, to the Essentially You podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. Absolutely. Your topic is so near and dear to my own story and my own life. What we're going to be talking about is post-birth control syndrome and what doctors don't say about the pill. And goodness knows, this is such a loaded conversation out there. So I want to get started with my first question, and that is, what inspired you to focus on this major health concern for women today? Yeah, so this is a major loaded topic. And I think the, f- the first thing we should say, you know, right before I jump into this story is that, you know, I'd like women to understand I'm not anti-birth control pill. I am, I'm not really anti or pro anything when it comes to, you know, your body and, and the pill. The only thing I would say that I am pro is the informed consent. And that's really what I want women to understand today is that we're here to support you, whether you're on the pill or off the pill. And, um, you know, my journey, my own journey with the pill started um, back in, you know, I was actually very young. I was a teenager and I took the pill for over a decade and it had some of the benefits that doctors told me it would have. And, you know, my skin got a little bit better. My libido went completely missing. So there was some, there was a downside effects of that as well. 
And when I came off the pill, I actually lost my period and I had raging PMS come back, really severe acne, but I had no idea what was going on at the time. I'd never had acne quite that bad. And before I'd started the pill, I had always been a 28 day cycle kind of gal. My, my whole family, man, they, they are just children everywhere. You look at a woman, she gets pregnant. So it's, it's something I always joked about it. Like it was just programmed in my genes to make babies. And so. I had a regular cycle. I had I had minimal acne compared to what came after the pill, but I really didn't have a clue what was going on. And at that time, you know, I started I was in naturopathic medical school. I was meeting with doctors. I was being told that, oh, this is just because you're stressed. You're in medical school now and you're stressed. And, you know, when I thought back, you know, now now my fully formed adult self thinks back and is like, no, medical school was not the most stressful thing I've ever been through. And I still had my period through some of those stressful things. So, you know, at the time I I just started employing what I was learning. I had a background in nutrition. So I fell back on my nutrition knowledge, started working on that aspect, and eventually got my period back. PMS went away, skin improved, but was never like quite sure what had gone on there. Um, and all the docs I was meeting with were telling me that it didn't really have much to do with the pill. That was really, you know, unlikely. And it wasn't even a thought in most people's minds. So, you know, at the time I'm like, well, my period's back, things are better. That's fantastic. But what happened was, is that I started to observe that I wasn't alone and I wasn't the only woman that this happened to. In fact, in my practice, I was seeing women who were coming to me and I I absolutely hated that I had to be the doctor to tell them that they were infertile after going off the birth control pill. And here were these women who were put on pills, the pill to treat symptoms, like 60% of pill users. So about 60% of pill users are on the pill just for a condition, not, not related to uh, you know trying not to get pregnant, which of course is its intention, the whole reason why it was designed. But I started making these observations and it really, I pulled it all together when one of my best friends from college came to me. She had this similar story to mine. We, you know, we used to swap pill stories while we were in college and, you know, she, she had had regular cycles, everything, you know, was normal. Then she came off the pill and nothing was normal. Her period was gone and she was now being told that she had PCOS, although she had absolutely no signs and symptoms of PCOS. There was no elevations in testosterone. There was no problem with her glucose metabolism. It wasn't a PCOS kind of picture, but her doctors didn't really know. And it was with her that I started, you know, I told her we're going to figure this out. And I dove into the research and I started seeing, you know, even back in the seventies that, yeah, women lose their period after the pill. And although we're told so often that no, it won't affect our fertility or doesn't have long-term consequences, there are long-term consequences taking place. And so I really pulled it all together once, once it was that close with my friend to see that, okay, this is what I experienced. And then I started pulling the data of all my patients. And then lo and behold, like what happened next is I got the reputation of being the doctor who wouldn't tell you it was all in your head, the doctor who actually had protocols and ways to treat like these kind of post-pill fallout. Because it's a common misconception that when you, you're on the pill and you experience side effects, that those will just go away when you come off the pill. In fact, we don't often see them just going away without putting some work and some effort into them. And so it was through my own personal journey. And I really have to say, I was off the pill, um, probably like a good, (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be dating myself here, but you know, it was at least five years of me being off of the pill where I, the light bulb went off and I was like, 
oh my gosh, I had post-birth control syndrome. The things I was being told that, you know, I just needed to stress less and that these, you know, this is all like a, these symptoms are things that I'm creating. It was all wrong. And that is something that, you know, I get really passionate about is that, you know, only a woman living in her body knows what's normal and what's not normal for her. And when a doctor makes assumptions that, you know, just because medical literature or medical dogma, frankly, has told us one thing, doesn't mean that that woman can't be having a different experience. I mean, it's the reality I think every doctor can relate to. Patients don't present like textbooks. Textbooks give you the ideal presentation and patients, they show up as complex biological systems that are, you know, expressing things in their own way. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I remember I was on the pill. I was on some, I was on the depot pill when I was really young and I never, ever did well on the pill. Not, not once. Every time I tried it, I, I completely wrecked me, um, especially around mood, depression, and I immediately had to get off of it. And I know that every woman presents a little bit differently. And I feel like this is a conversation that women are having, just like you were talking about comparing pill stories to your friend that we're having amongst ourselves, but we're not necessarily seeking seeking out more information on it. Like we're kind of just taking it as par for the course, which I think women do. So can you shed some light on some of the issues the pill can cause that we as women just aren't aware of? I think a lot of us think it's our own little internal struggle, but that women across the board are dealing with these things. Yeah. You know, you raise a really great point as I, as I go in to answer that, you know, that you just, your point to like, we're not talking about it. It's a bit, as you said, as you introed, you know, you, the conversation here was, it's a bit of a loaded topic because either if you're talking about the pill and you're saying, Hey, these are some bad things that can happen with the pill, then you're anti-women, you're anti-feminism. Like you're trying to push us back to the stone age. And then if you know, and then on, the, on the flip side, if you're not talking about it, then you're doing these women a great disservice. And I don't, think there's anything wrong with more information and having a dialogue. And I think it's really important for women to understand, you know, when your doctor, if and when you get a PARQ is what it's called in medicine, it means we're going to review the whole plan, answer all your questions and make sure that you know about side effects. If you get that regarding the pill, now today it's so ubiquitous that I'm sh- I don't know why I still get shocked, but women will come into my practice and they're like, well, like my doctor didn't talk to me about stroke or cancer risk. And that's like one of the number one things that most of us know about is that, you know, the pill is highly inflammatory. And it can lead to blood clots, which can cause stroke, which can cause pulmonary embolism, which means that you can't breathe. Um, that's also a very bad thing, in case you're wondering. Not not a good situation. And you know why why this gets downplayed so often is because doctors and scientists have you know come out and said well, you know, the pill is no more of higher risk than being pregnant because pregnancy also sees the elevation in hormones that put you at risk for blood clots as well. But the thing about pregnancy is, is that there's a due date. Like this, this, this condition expires and after 10 months, you're not going to be pregnant anymore. Whereas with the birth control pill, like we can't really compare that to pregnancy when you're on these long, you're on it long term. And, you know, for me, um, I definitely agree with you about the, the mood symptoms. I was on the pill one of one of the early pills they put me on, I remember being in the shower crying for like a week. Like I couldn't get out of bed. And if I did, it was just laying in the shower crying. Like I just felt like I was a wet noodle in life. Like all of my passion, motivation, desire, which, you know, you know me personally, if you can imagine being completely flat affect, this is something that happens. And, you know, I really like to acknowledge that mood changes can happen with normal hormonal changes. So of course we can expect to see depression anxiety come up if women take the pill. Again, we do express differently. 
But some of the things that women don't know about is that the pill induces leaky gut. So it can cause intestinal hyperpermeability. That's stuff that leads to autoimmune disease. That's not, that's not good. And on top of that in the gut, if you're on the pill for five years or more and you have a family history of Crohn's disease, that's a 300% increased risk. You're going to activate that autoimmune disease. As a woman who lives with autoimmunity, I can't help but question what role did the pill play in that? And why why aren't we researching it more? But also I would have liked to have known about that. Now, I'm never, you know, I like to be really clear. I did the pill for 10 years. I am a first generation college student. And a lot of where I've gone in life, I can I can dial right back into the pill and say, yes, this was instrumental in helping me. So although I would have like known some of this stuff about leaky gut or you know, it can also impact your thyroid and your adrenals, so you can't actually make energy knowing about autoimmune disease. And, you know, I would love to have known all of that stuff. And I would have loved a doctor to provide me the tools to really protect me, to keep me safe and to lower my risk. Because I'm not totally sure I wouldn't have not done the pill just because I really wanted to graduate college. I I'm really proud of the fact that I didn't get pregnant before age 19. And I was the first woman in my family to have done that. Like there's a lot of things that in my personal life and my professional life, the pill has supported. And at the same time, if we look back at the research, we know from the research that we can see that when women were introduced the pill, and although it has these negative side effects, at the same time, we saw that what we got started getting paid in our jobs increased and we were graduating college at higher rates. So I like to acknowledge that as I talk about like, yeah, there's these issues, but at the same time, thank goodness that some of us do have access to this reproductive technology. I agree. It's so interesting. You know, my mom had gone to college before I did, but I was definitely going to college. But my mom went to college and she was a single mom with two little girls. And I remember looking through her eyes, what what a challenge, what a difficult thing it was for her to overcome all of those obstacles. And I know for her, she never wanted any of those challenges for me. So it was it was never a conversation. Getting on the pill was the thing that was going to happen so that I didn't end up pregnant like my mom was at 18 years old. So I totally hear you. But I think having that information and having that knowledge, most of us women could be taking probiotics or being more mindful of our nutrition, really kind of helping to combat some of the inflammation that's happening around the pill. Like you had said before, information is power and it gives us more choices. If we do choose into the pill because it opens up the ability for us to go to school and not get pregnant and start these careers, which which is both you and I, we've talked about this conversation so often, this was both the path that we really wanted for ourselves. But I think also... I may have done life a little bit differently. I may have taken care of my body a little bit differently in those years when I was on the pill, as you said before. I would have probably still done it when I did, but I think I would have done other things differently in terms of my health. Right. And because, you know, I think it is something is the, the most simple thing is like putting women on a multivitamin or putting them on a prenatal while they're on the pill. And, you know, I remember hearing a professor in my nutrition school, like in my undergrad say, you know, any woman who is in reproductive age should just be on a prenatal, like we should just have them on that. And then another professor, I remember this contradiction saying, no, no, no. But if they're on the birth control pill, like that's just, that's just giving them needless pills and excessive stuff to do. And now, you know, now that I understand this and, you know, I'm considered an expert in this, like in this 
birth control pill is one of the most nutrient depleting drugs that you can take. And what's really alarming about it, you know, it's depleting B vitamins, it's depleting magnesium, but it's depleting folate, which when you need, when you get pregnant, you need folate before that test comes up positive. So that means that if you're taking the pill and whoops, you get pregnant and you haven't been on good B vitamins or you haven't been taking, um, you know, multivitamin or prenatal, that can, that can be big trouble for your baby and for you. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned as well, we're talking about symptoms and if they just resolve. Now, you and I both know that that is not the case, but can you tell me, is there a time frame on average for women to see some type of resolution on some of the symptoms that they're dealing with in the pill? And I absolutely recognize that every woman is case by case. I know that there are women who suffer from post-birth control syndrome for years after they get off the pill. Yeah. And so, you know, it's something, it's exactly what you said. Every, every woman is different. And that's, you know, that's the question that I would really like to see the research start answering is that I think it's silly at this point to be asking, is the pill correlated with depression? I mean, it seems to be this really heated debate for some reason still, although I just say, why don't we just ask the women who've been on the pill? This is something they've been complaining about since the 1960s. So um, in the question I really want to see research asking or answering is who is at risk? Like what is is it that we can find out about women ahead of time to understand why is it some women get off the pill, their period comes right back and, oh, they have like a, you know, a couple of months of not feeling so great. And whereas other women, they have years of post-birth control syndrome. So, you know, post-birth control syndrome, it generally arises within the first four to six months after discontinuing the pill. So that can be that your period doesn't come back at all, um, or it can be that you start losing your hair or you have acne. And you know what I like to the you know the illustration I like to people to think about is that it's not that your body is betraying you or revolting against you. I know that sometimes it can feel that way, but really what it's like is that you know your body has been trying to communicate that something's not right for a while now, and it's it's essentially just had duct tape over its mouth. And what you did when you stopped the pill is you took that duct tape off. And boy, you know, if you've been trying to say something, I, I know if I've been trying to say something for like 10 years and I finally got the chance, I'm going to scream. I am going to tell you all about it. And that's essentially what the body's doing with post-birth control syndrome. And it's really in these symptoms, as awful as they can be, that we can, we can really pinpoint what's going on with a woman's hormones and her overall health. So generally speaking, we're going to see that this is going to come up in, you know, the first, uh, you know, four to six cycles, you know, approximately if you are cycling and then you may see no cycle in those first six months after discontinuing the pill, maybe longer, depending on what you have going on. But it doesn't typically just resolve without some effort. And in the women in my clinic, We've definitely worked with women specifically in developing the protocols that I have, but we've I've also surveyed a lot of women that you know were, were on the pill and then they came to see me and they haven't been on the pill for five years, but they don't have all these symptoms. What have you done differently? And as we go through that, it's a lot of lifestyle and they have done things with like stress reduction or they've changed the way that they were eating. And we'll also see things that they, they started using appropriate supplementation and something that I found has been almost universally helpful. Now I'm a little bit cautious because not every one thing will work for everyone. But the women who have done some level of detox, and I, I generally recommend like a doctor grade detox. These are the women that like these symptoms don't last as long. Um, and so that's just something if you're if you're listening and you're like this is kind of a downer. Doctor Brayton's like this stuff doesn't just go away. No, though there are lots of things, lots of therapies that we can do and that we can employ to. Re 
recalibrate and get the body back to that, the, to basically its equilibrium. I love it. I'm, I'm, I know a lot of women were probably thinking to themselves like, oh my goodness, how do we, how do we get out of this? And we're about to get to that in just a moment. Um, but what I think this is a topic that I know so many women are looking for resolution with goodness knows, you know, I work with a slightly older generation of women, but libido is such a topic of concern. I probably get an email every single day about women wanting to resolve their libido and goodness knows I completely flatlined in my libido when I was on birth control. I didn't even know what libido was growing into my late teens and into my 20s. And women would talk about having a libido. And I'm just like, what is that? What is that feeling that people are talking <laughs> about? And and how, can we even get it back? Because I hear so many stories that women lost their libido during birth, using birth control for you know 10 years, 15 years, and they just have not gotten it back since. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you on this. I remember being like in my twenties now, granted, I, I doubled up. I was like birth control pill, eat all the gluten, low fat diet. Oh, it was oh, so girl. bad. And I, was I remember right there with like, you. yeah. And I remember my girlfriends being like, Oh, Brad Pitt is so fine. And I was like, I don't even feel a thing when I look at him. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, what is this <laughs> thing that you're feeling? So I'm like right there with you because yeah, I am like, I didn't know what a libido was until I came off the pill and it really it took like it, it, took, it took a minute there to get that to get that back or basically establish it. And, you know, why this happens, it's really important for women to understand, you know, when your doctor says the pill has no lasting effects, well, they don't get all of that, right? Because, you know, there is evidence in the research that supports that there is a genetic change that happens to the liver when you're on the pill that causes an elevation in a protein called sex hormone binding globulin. It does exactly what it sounds like. It binds your sex hormones, which is really, really awesome if you've got too much testosterone due to PCOS that you can just drop that. That's why the pills used, um, you know, in women with PCOS, but it's not so awesome because it changes the genetics of your liver so that that testosterone stays really low, which means that, well, maybe you won't have that acne or abnormal hair growth anymore. You also won't have any interest in sex. And as we know, you know, orgasms, they release a lot of great anti-aging chemicals or hormones. They're really important for pelvic floor. Um, if you have urinary incontinence, it's actually something where I'm like, you know, Kegels are great and, and you should do strength training and, and all of that's awesome, but you also should have regular orgasms. And it's something I prescribe in my practice is that if women can try to orgasm at least once a week, it's also something that helps balance your hormones. So to me, it's a really big concern when a woman has no libido because she's missing out on, you know, a really important factor in health. And I do think that your libido is a sign of vitality, right? I mean, as organisms, we're here to procreate. It, it drives us. And so if the libido is not there, often it's because your body is sensing that the environment is not safe. And so, you know, with the birth control pill, I just said like a really big downer and that like it changes the genetics of your liver. But I have found that if you can love up that liver really well through good nutrition, lifestyle practices, um, that can help tremendously. But there's another thing, another layer to what that pill is doing. And that is, it's inflammatory and it's nutrient depleting. And those are two things that your adrenal glands just hate. Oh, they just hate it. And so if your adrenal glands have been taken a hit from the pill, you're going to have to go in and support them as well. And of course, stress reduction can be great, but think about the nutrients the pill's been depleting. In particular, taking B5, vitamin C, magnesium, these things can help restore the adrenal glands. And then leveraging herbs. So herbs that I love 
are definitely like ginseng. So like rhodiola, eleutherococcus, those have always been touted for their like libido stimulating abilities. And it really is through the effect of like giving those adrenals some love. Um, And so you can get your libido back. It absolutely can happen. But there's going to be the, the lifestyle modifications, the dietary changes, the nutrients that you need to start employing. And then you also have to use it. So like anything else in the body, you know, you're, you've got a nervous system and you, that's, you know, in play in terms of within the female genitalia. And if it's not being stimulated, your body is not going to reinforce those tissues. And so it's just like strength training, which we never think about it because, you know, for some reason we were told, I was told this too, we're not supposed to talk about this, but it's, it's a really important part of women's health, but it's just like strength training. You know, you've heard, everyone's heard, use it or lose it. And it's the same way. Now you can, you can get this back. I'm not saying, so if you're, a woman that's like, I don't think I've had a libido or orgasm in 20 years. I, I have these patients in my office and they do make a recovery. They do make a full recovery. So it definitely is possible. I love it. Would you be willing? Uh, one, I love that you're prescribing orgasms in your practice. Um, that is just amazing. I know how necessary it is, but to have a doctor literally put it on the pad and just say, I'm going to need you to get to work with this. I think that's great. Would you be open to sharing a story about a patient overcoming post-birth control syndrome in side of your practice or even getting their libido back. Something that we can share because I know a lot of us are looking for, we're looking for that hope and I know you have it. Yeah. So one story I do love to tell because it still just blows me away is, um, so I had this patient, she was a, she was in her forties, um, had been on the pill for like 15 years. I think it was like, I think it was more like 17, 18. And she was like big C, like C-level executive at this tech company. And she really, she hated her job and she was really, really miserable. She was also on a really high dose of Wellbutrin. She was basically getting told at work that that no one wanted to work with her because she was so angry and volatile all the time. She was having a lot of mood symptoms and she was on the pill. And so we transitioned her off of the pill and I actually used some progesterone therapy with her because progesterone is a hormone that helps, it stimulates the GABA receptor in your brain. It helps you feel more chilled out and calm. And you can use a bioidentical that's more naturally matched to your body. What's in birth control pill, progestin that is not the same thing it does not work the same way so i just like to to have women understand that so we we use some progesterone therapy and it was in her second visit. Now, I asked about like libido in her, in her first visit, and she kind of just brushed it off. And I'll let it go that that first time if, if people are like, I'm not ready. I don't know you well enough. I'm not ready to go there. But in her second visit, she actually brought it up and said that she actually hadn't been interested in having sex with her husband like in like 10 years. And that, you know, she it was just something that, you know, she really felt was going to be off the table for her. And so, you know, we, we got to working. And the, at the second visit in my practice, that's when we go through all of your lab testing and we really put together what the plan is. And it was literally within like four to six month window from her coming off the pill that she comes into my office. She's off of Wellbutrin. She's feeling amazing. And she's like, guess what? I quit my job. I have this new job that I love so much, like running running the show. She was so empowered. She loved everyone she was working with. And part of why she was so angry, and, and we, we think about this on the energetic level, is because the pill was such a burden to the liver. And then the liver is really an organ that um, it's an organ of anger. So part of her resolving her anger was getting off the pill. But 
as she came off the pill, what was interesting was how she started to view her relationships. And this is something that uh, we know from the research that the birth control pill actually, it messes with your mate selection. And if it messes with mate selection, it certainly can mess you know, with other relationships. And she started to just cut off relationships that weren't working for her. And one thing that she saw was that that job, that job wasn't, wasn't working for her. And so part of what we were doing is, is a lot of what we were talking about here. So we did dietary changes. I actually put her on an anti-inflammatory diet. That's one thing that we did. We started to rebuild and um, her gut and clear infections that she had. And then we started to fine tune and, and really kind of biohack those hormones. And as I mentioned, we used that progesterone therapy. And so we did that for about three months and then she was able to taper off of that. But at the end of like about a six month period, uh, what really struck me was that when I said with the relationship, it's that she actually said she felt more close to her husband than she ever had before. And they were now dating each other. And that she said that, you know, she thought she had a libido before, like when she, when she first met the man, she thought she had a libido then. And she's like, my libido has never been stronger. I've never had more energy. She's off of all of her antidepressants. She's not screaming at anybody half of the month anymore. And she was completely owning her life. And that's just stuff that like you don't get in the medical research. Like you do not get that in the literature that like this woman's like she changed her job. She her relationship changed with her husband. Like her relationship with other people changed. And she kicked the meds. She was feeling better. Like her mood was up, energy was up, and um she did not like I I do have to say she had the most like mild episode of acne and like she was able to clear that so fast because she did such due diligence of tracking her food and figuring out and for her like many people she was eating if she ate dairy and she was like yes sure enough if I have a piece of cheese I'm gonna have acne I'm gonna have pimples like showing up three to five days later and so I like to tell that little piece because I want I want women and patients to understand that you know all of the information that we get as doctors, yes, we do lab testing, but in my opinion, the most valuable data is the data that lives in the patient's story and that they can actually track for us. So that's a bit about her. I just think she's just a really kick-ass patient, I honestly. <laughs> well, I think you're right. I mean, when we see those full health transformations, so much more in our life changes for women in particular. So the fact that you were able to help her get her hormones back on track, but also have her have that realization of what needed to go in her life improve the relationships that matter to her and really find joy in what she was doing. What a what a massive win that was, right? And you're right, you don't see those mm-hmm. in lab results. You don't see those in studies. But when a real doctor, like a real integrative functional doctor gets to the root of things, so many things can clear up for us as women. Yeah. And, you know, we call it the ripple effect. In my practice, we view it as like, if we can heal this one woman, then how many other lives is she going to touch in a positive way? Because we all have a purpose and some of us don't know what that is yet. And I would actually challenge you, if you don't know what your purpose is, or you not you don't feel like you're living in it, re-examine your health because it's like, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If, if your physical body isn't being cared for and provided for, it's so much harder to show up in this world and do the work that you need I to do. I absolutely agree. I love that story. And I know that women are wondering, like, how do I become that story? So what can we as women do right now if we are on the pill or we've been on the pill? 
and are hearing this for the first time? What what can we do? What could you recommend? I know you've brought up a couple of things already. Yeah, I think, you know, big thing is if you're on the pill right now, definitely you want to be eating as nutrient dense diet as you can. So definitely eating lots of high quality proteins. This is something that gets over missed a lot of times when we talk detox is that yes, you need amino acids, you have to have proteins to be able to run your liver detox pathways. So high quality proteins, that's also going to help with your blood sugar. And in fact, everybody could be doing this. Healthy fats, getting rid of inflammatory foods, so no trans fats, no refined sugars. We don't want any of that coming in. And I know nobody loves it when I say it, but also if you're on the pill, it's a, it's a lot of work for your liver and the less burden you can put on your liver, the better. And so if you can kick alcohol or at least limit yourself to like one drink a week, that is definitely an ideal. And if you're coming off the pill, I definitely recommend kicking alcohol for like the first three months and just give your liver an opportunity to clear out those hormones. Alcohol is also very inflammatory to the gut. And then the biggest thing is that one alcoholic drink can raise your estrogen by 11%. This has been shown in the research time and again that estrogen can rise with alcohol. If you're on the pill, you're already taking in more than enough estrogen. You're taking so much estrogen, your brain can't even talk to your ovaries anymore because that's how it works. So if you are on the pill, definitely try to limit the alcohol. If you're coming off the pill, definitely kick it for at least three months. And so, you know, I know nobody loves it when I say that, but it's a really, really, I think, crucial step. In and the more you can love your liver, the better. So if you're on the pill now, I, you know, it's something that I say, like getting yourself going through um, like a, a quarterly detox is, is a must. And so in my practice, I use professional grade supplements, and then we are doing dietary changes with that as well as lifestyle changes as well. It's always a good thing when you're detoxing to also, I, I call it, you know, the emotional detoxing of like, what's, let's like do some mind body practices around what's going on with your life. But giving yourself like a good liver supportive detox once a quarter. So every three months is a great way to load you up with antioxidants to help with nutrient depletions. You should definitely be on that multivitamin still though. And it's going to be anti-inflammatory in itself because everything that goes into a detox helps lower inflammation. And so if you're on the pill, definitely turmeric, golden milk, uh, ginger, you know, these anti-inflammatory foods make them your daily best friend and getting these things in. And do the same if you're transitioning off the pill. And once you know, once you've been off the pill and you started to resolve symptoms, then the, then the anti-inflammatories are more on an as-needed basis. But I don't think there's anybody who can't use a little anti-inflammatory support. Um, and you know, a really big thing too is to mind your environment. So as women. Most of the um, you know chemicals and toxins that our liver has to process that we're burdened with, those are going to be coming from our skincare products and the things that are in our home. So making sure that you're cleaning up your environment is a huge piece of that, especially if you're staying on the pill. If you're on the pill and you're already creating this inflammatory detox burden on your body, then you get a little less leadway. What it's like is like you know it's like we all get this bucket and the bucket fills up with water, but there should be a spigot that is flowing out so that the bucket gets. It's empty. That's our that's our toxins just dripping into that bucket. And our emunctories, which is the bowels and the kidneys and our breath, the way we move toxins out of our body, that's the spigot. And so if you're on the pill, your bucket's way more full than the average person, which means that you're going to have to do more work to move those things out. And you sure, you certainly, certainly, certainly want to be going upstream and making sure that you're not putting more toxins in. Does that make sense? 
I love it. I think there's a lot for people to consider in what they can be doing. I know nutrition was a major part and I'm super excited about this freemium. But before I ask you about your gift for everybody, because I think this is going to lend to a lot of clarity too when they grab that. The question I I love to ask, because I know that this has been a journey. Hormones have been a journey for you. They've been a journey for me. And I know everyone always wants to know what the doctor is doing, right? So please, can you share one daily habit or a natural solution, whichever one you like, you can share both that you do every single day for your health and well-being that really moves the needle for you? You know, I, I I love this question. And I'd like to give something a little more creative than the standard stuff, which is like, yeah, I, you know, I meditate and I eat well and I sleep and those I do those things. But, you know, something that I've really been stepping into has been not letting other people set my agenda for the day. And so this is something I saw this meme online. And well, yeah, of course, where else do you see memes, right? <laughs> so I saw this meme and it was about 40 year old women in the locker room. I don't know if you've seen it. And just like how, when you get into your forties, like you just don't care. And you're like, I'm going to like do whatever I want to do with my life. And I'm like, why do I have to wait until my forties? Like, why, why would I do that? So one thing that I do every day is I pick a song of the day and I really, I'm like, this will be the theme for today. And I set that song for the day. And that's when I'm like, this is what the day is going to be like. I also, um, I have to tell you, because you gave me the um, Speed Dial the Universe book. Yes. I've I've integrated this into that Speed Dial the Universe of like, okay, song of the day, set the feeling for the day. And then, and then I go into all of that um, and write and write it down of like, okay, this is what, this is what my day is going to be like. And I have to say ever since just deciding like, okay, I'm going to set the agenda of the day and the practices to pick the song. I'm way more productive in my day. I say no when it needs to be said way more often. And I feel like I have a better handle on like what, what is going to get done with that day. And I feel much more productive at the end of the day. And the thing about the song of the day is that when I get, so I've, I've actually done this, this practice off and on as I was a student. And if I got stressed taking a test, I would just play that song in my head and it would chill me out. And that's kind of the same thing I do now is that if I'm in the middle of something and I'm getting stressed and just like, okay, go back to the song of the day, because the music actually gets you back, gets your brain back in that place of that state of that emotion. It's a really good way to be like, even though I'm feeling stressed, I'm going to go back and feel what I felt this morning before anybody else started trying to set their, set, you know, basically hand me their agenda. Does that make sense? Absolutely, girl. I am such a proponent of that, of starting your day on your own agenda so that people don't impart their agenda on yours. And you know how much I'm all about the speed dial of the universe. I don't set a song, but I do play music when I'm doing it. And I need to start doing that, having a song that represents the day that I want to have. I love that habit. And I think all of us could benefit from that. I love it. Yeah. Okay. You have brought so much great information, but you also, God, you're such a generous woman and I just love you for that. You have this incredible gift and I would love for you to share it with our, with our audience. Yeah. So um, the gift that I am giving you guys is all about balancing your hormones, getting your hormones back on track, and it's going to include a meal plan. So all of the things that I was talking about today of like, you need to do X, Y, and Z, this this is your guide on how to incorporate that. And it's also going to include some information about helping you get to know your body better and how to fine tune those hormones. 
I love it because I know a lot of people were probably writing as fast as they could as you were giving all of that incredible advice around what we could do. But this is going to be in the show notes. It's going to be super easy to grab. So please head on over to the show notes, um, download this amazing guide. I mean, who could not use a really powerful meal plan like this? Well, Dr. Brighton, it was such a pleasure having you. I want to say thank you so much. You had come with amazing information. I feel like that really just shed some light and gives a little bit more perspective in a conversation that I know that we're having this like taboo conversation that we're having amongst ourselves. But now that we can start having in kind of within a bigger audience, we can start really addressing the core root of this issue, opposed to just another one thing that we're dealing with in our own bodies. Absolutely. Well, it's been such a great time chatting with you today. I loved, I just loved all of your questions. And this was such a great conversation and just so delighted to be able to help more women. Absolutely, my dear. Well, have a wonderful day, honey. Thank you. You too. If I haven't said it before, I absolutely adore and love Dr. Brighton. And I am so grateful that she is addressing this massive issue that millions of women are struggling with right now, even if we're not talking about it. I hope you loved her recommendations for what you can do at this current moment if you are on the pill or recovering with post-birth control syndrome. Again, I wish I did when I was in the midst of hormone chaos while I was on and off of the pill. And let me tell you, her gift is an absolute game changer. Definitely download Dr. Jolene's post-birth control syndrome detox diet quick start guide in our show notes. And you can find the show notes on my website, drmarisa.com. That is D-R-M-A-R-I-Z.com. And that is episode four. Well, I want to thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. You are the inspiration for this podcast. Coming up next is one of my favorite topics. We're going to be diving into why creating a morning ritual will change your life. I know you're going to love this one, so I can't wait to see you there. And also, I would love to hear from you about what you want more of. Take a moment and rate and review the Essentially You podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to provide your amazing insight on how to best serve you in the future. Well, it was such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Talk to you soon. Bye.